is The People's Show with Big Nazar and Randy Janda. Welcome back to The People's Show, Hour 2. If you're listening on podcast, thanks for making us part of your day. If you're listening live, much of the same. Dick Nazar, Randy Janda, Ben Bassford, and Josh Elliott-Wolf running the show for you today. You the people as well, 650-650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Confession Friday is coming up at 2.30. We'll speak to Vernon Adams, newest member of your BC Lions. Quarterback in the house. He'll be joining us at 2 o'clock. I'll also talk to Ben Arthur covering the Titans. We'll do an AFC South preview uh, coming up at 1.30 as well. Danny Kelly, minutes away. We'll get his thoughts on uh, what the inbox is popping off about as well. Pool talk. Uh, I love this one from TJ in the Valley. Russell Wilson is thinking long-term. Resale value. Whenever he leaves Denver, he's going to have to sell it to someone who could use the pool 12 months a year. Oh, look at that. You don't get rich by thinking about the here and now. Oh, you got to think long term. Until that person's like, oh, I would love to have an outdoor pool. I'll go with this other house because it has one. And then they realize they live in Denver, friggin' Colorado, yeah. where it's like minus six degrees in January. Maybe it's their summer house. Uh, I'm reaching at straws here. <laughs> yes, you are. A lot of good talk in the inbox. Let's pitch it by our guy, Danny Kelly from The Ringer, The Ringer Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, you'll hear him every Wednesday here on The People Show as well. Uh, we've been talking about uh, Russell Wilson's home here, uh, Danny. <laughs> yep. Um, I've, I'm claiming indoor pools are a flex. Yes or no? Uh-huh. Uh, definitely a flex. Uh, we had this discussion on the pod. It's sunny there like 300 days a year, so I guess it's kind of funny that he has an indoor one. But it is cold in the winter, so I kind of get it. Uh, overall, I'll say, yes, it's good. It's a flex. I like it. I, I said, it, like, this is his commuter home, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you, you, you've got your minivan because he's got homes in San Diego, probably out east where he's from, Mexico. He's got homes. So this is like his minivan yeah. of homes. He just needs something to, to dip in and just chill out. Did you guys talk about the fact that that's four bedrooms? Oh, yeah. Yes. But I, I think we, we, we broke that down. I think we it, it finally made sense to us. Every activity re- room needs you know needs its own bathroom, right? So the ratio of three to one, <laughs> it makes sense to me. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's good. I get that. Uh, it just seems like a little bit light on rooms and, and when it's like a 20,000 square foot house. But that's just me. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, all right. It is fantasy season. Uh, it's been going on for, I, I imagine... Uh, People have been doing some drafts. Probably not as many as you. How many leagues are you in? Because <laughs> I, I, I made the mistake this year. I'm a sucker. I started saying yes to every invite I got. I'm in way too many yeah. now. How how many are you in? Uh, I would say I'm probably in around 25 when yeah. you count all the different what? styles. Because there's a few best ball leagues I'm in, a yeah. few like, you know, ch- charity leagues that I do. Um, I have a bunch of dynasty leagues, which I love. And then, you know, like three or four redraft leagues. So nothing crazy with redraft. We talked about this last year, and I, I decided to subscribe to your theory that, like, just be in every league possible, and no matter what happens on yeah. Sunday, you're happy. <laughs> this is the nihilist in me says, like, if you have one of these players on, like, at least one of your teams, like, you're always going to feel good about whoever has a touchdown. So it's like you always feel good. You never feel all that bad. And if you do poorly in one league, you might do better in another league. And then overall, you just feel good. Uh, and then you really only need to win, like, one or two leagues to make your money back in any given year. So there you go. I think it actually makes sense. Like the math makes sense. The emotions make sense. Um, I'm really into it. Okay, the math makes sense. And I understand this is your profession. But what do you do in the rest <laughs> of your life if you're in 25 <laughs> leagues, Danny? 
You're insinuating I have a life outside <laughs> of fantasy football, which is not really that true. You know, I have a family. Uh, they take up, I guess, the rest of the time in my life, and that's it. That's all I got. Fair enough. All right, so let's start at the top. Uh, for for you personally, uh, first overall, who are you going with? Because Jonathan Taylor is the one that got all the headlines last year. Does he remain up top? Uh, I got Christian McCaffrey. I'm, I'm basically saying he's worth the risk of re-injury because obviously he's missed last two seasons, much of the last two seasons with an injury. Um, but just the way that he's utilized in this offense, the pass catching combined with the rushing upside that he has, he's basically like plugging in two players into one spot for your team. So like the upside is unmatched. I think Jonathan Taylor is a really good play. He's like a safe play, high floor type guy, but there's a chance we see some regression in terms of his usage this year. Like they're talking about, they're talking Naheem Hines up a lot this preseason. They want to kind of take it easy on Taylor. Plus, the new quarterback in town in Indianapolis, Matt Ryan, they could pass the ball a little bit more. Basically, if you remember last year, uh, they just decided they didn't trust Carson Wentz whatsoever. I don't really blame them. And they just decided to give the ball to Jonathan Taylor instead. So I don't know if you see that quite to the level uh, as we saw last year, this year. So, I mean, we're splitting hairs, but that's why I went Chris McCaffrey, number one, Jonathan Taylor, number two. Okay, a couple of spots lower. Uh, where do you stand on Derrick Henry? Because, you know, with the injury last year, pieces missing on his offensive line compared to last year. Uh, what what do you feel in in that regard? Yeah, I'm I think I'm I'm lower than consensus on Henry. I think the injury history is is concern, his age, he's getting up there. Um, and just the overall vibes of the Titans offense this year just don't feel that good to me like like you said, the, the offensive line is different. They don't have AJ Brown. Um, that means I assume that teams are going to be able to crowd the box even more. Um, you know, we saw him, he, he's kind of a home run hitter. If he doesn't hit those home runs, he's just going to have a bunch of volume with not very many yards. And if this offense is bad, he's not going to score a ton of touchdowns. So, um, he to me feels like a very volatile fantasy pick. Like you got to go for the gusto in round one, if you're going to pick Henry and just hope for the best with him, because to me, the, the range of outcomes seems pretty wide with him. Is there a go for the gusto style pick uh, outside of Henry that is getting a lot of hype? Cause I feel like Henry's not getting hype. Right, he just like we kind of know what right. Derrick Henry is. Is there like an early top twenty, top fifteen pick that is getting a lot of hype? And you're like, oh, this is the guy. Like the phrase is, you can lose the the draft or you can lose the league in round one. <laughs> Who's the pick that you're like, yeah. oh man, this is the guy that's going to make you lose your league? Well, I think if you look at it this way, Saquon Barkley could be that guy. But I'm also like very excited about drafting Saquon Barkley. Maybe just because I want to chase the upside. I want to chase the dream that he could sort of return to what he was as a rookie, like 90 catches or whatever is on the, you know, on the horizon for him. Of course, you're also betting on a team that has been historically over the last few years, really, really bad on offense. Daniel Jones has flashed, but basically has been terrible since he came into the league. All their receivers are injured. So again, this kind of could be a situation where this offense just isn't very good, not scoring a lot of points, not running a lot of plays. I think with Saquon, I'm betting on the talent, I'm betting on the upside, and I'm hoping for the best. But, like, I see the floor here being pretty low, too. And, you know, of course, there's injury history with him as well. So, I don't know. He, he is another guy that's, like, super volatile. Um, but I'm, I'm actually excited about drafting him, whereas I'm not really that excited about drafting Henry. So, I guess that's the difference. All right, let's talk about uh, Russell Wilson's <laughs> fantasy value rather than his pool now. Uh, can he elevate his receivers, whether it's Sutton, whether it's Judy? Like, uh, do you do you believe in either one of those guys with Russ behind center? Yeah, I mean, the, in a word, yes, absolutely. Like, he, he can definitely elevate that offense. I mean, especially when you compare it to what they've been uh, trotting out at quarterback the last couple of years. You know, Drew Locke, 
Teddy Bridgewater, whoever, he has the potential to really elevate this offense. Um, you know, in particular, like the deep shots, the, the vertical passing attack that they haven't really had much of the last couple of years in, um, in Denver, I think that's where he can really be the difference maker for them. Like more touchdowns, honestly, just big plays, touchdowns. And you could see Cortland Sutton in particular, I think, is going to be the big beneficiary of this because, like, stylistically, he seems to fit really well with Russell Wilson. Um, you know, kind of the DK Metcalf role in that offense where you're going down the sideline deep, you're winning jump balls in the end zone, things of that nature. Like, Russell Wilson will put it on a dime, you know, 30, 40, 50 yards down the field. And that's going to be, to me, the major difference uh, in this offense as compared to the last couple of seasons. So, um, absolutely. I, I think um, in addition to Sutton, like, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, all these guys are so much more interesting now based on like the way this offense is going to run. And and then of course, Alberto, the tight end for that team, kind of an intriguing sleeper as well. So yeah, I mean, he, he certainly elevates this offense and, and makes them more, much more fantasy relevant. I feel like, you know, what the, the inclusion of Russ in Denver and suddenly, as you mentioned, like KJ Hamler's name is, is probably someone that's getting yeah. drafted. Whereas like the, the QB, he's clearly qualified to be the, the rising tide to lift all boats. And we look at someone like Jalen Hurts, who's really exciting, but I feel like we're not hearing anything about some of the Philadelphia <laughs> pass catchers. Yeah. So I think the big difference for that is is it is interesting because I think Russell Wilson's going to be like quote unquote better as a quarterback this year. But you're drafting at least I'm drafting Jalen Hurts far ahead of Russell Wilson in fantasy. So number one, that's just an interesting wrinkle. But the pass catchers, it, the reason you're, you're drafting Hurts is because of his running ability, which in turn will hurt his his pass catching options in this offense. So like AJ Brown, for instance, you know got traded to the Eagles in the off season. Um, you know there's some exciting like hype coming out of Philly based on what he's done in this preseason. But like, it's just a little bit nerve wracking drafting AJ Brown this high because there's a few concerns. Number one, the offense may not have enough volume to really elevate him to the top tier of receivers. They're just going to be too, too run heavy. You see Jalen hurts stealing too many carries in the, in the red zone, things of that nature. Like if, if it's an offense where you know that they're going to throw a lot and, and run a lot of plays and have a lot of, uh, you know, opportunities in the red zone, like that's one thing, but this is, a, this is the major concern when it comes to AJ Brown and Devontae Smith and, and pretty much everyone else in this offense is that Jalen hurts is going to kind of number one, steal some opportunities from the other players in this offense. But number two, like this could be one of the more run heavy teams in the NFL last year. They were really, really run heavy, um, especially in the second half of the year. So um, that's the worry. I will say on the other hand, like, there is a chance that the Eagles get back to being very pass heavy. Like maybe this is the reason they went and got AJ Brown because they, they want to be a pass heavy team. They know that passing is more efficient. They know that passing is more explosive. They can score more points if they pass. So um, it, you have to be kind of open to a couple different scenarios happening here. And I think I'm generally bullish that they're going to pass more than expected, but I don't know if it's going to be enough to truly elevate AJ Brown into like the wide receiver one status where, um, you know, where he's been kind of on the edge, teetering on the edge in Tennessee the last couple of years. Another fascinating conversation is around Debo Samuel. Last year was an absolute monster in fantasy, but this year, depending on what happens with uh, Trey Lance and Brandon Ayuk, who have got some chemistry going on, uh, Debo apparently wants to be more of a passing option rather than running the ball like he did last year. What does that mean for him in fantasy? Is there a regression coming for him? I mean, I think it's un- like there's no doubt regression yeah. is coming at, at least in the in the touchdown zone. Like because he had he had eight rushing touchdowns on 59 carries. Like he was ridiculously efficient on the ground. And I think like you could say he is very talented, and that's very true. But like there's a little bit of luck when it comes to to getting touchdowns as a running back or as a receiver playing running back. And so I think you have to expect 
he's not going to score touchdowns at that high of a rate. Um, but that being said, like he's still, you know, I think very worth taking in, in fantasy drafts because people kind of forget, I think, that because of the way he was utilized, he had 1,400 yards receiving. Like this guy was, he put up prolific, prolific receiving numbers as just like a pure receiver too. So I think he's definitely got the floor to still be very, um, you know, very, very useful in fantasy. I just think you have to, you can't really expect him to be, you know, exactly what he was last year, especially with Brandon Ayuk coming, um, you know, nipping on his heels and probably going to steal some of his target targets in this offense. Like the Trey Lance variable is like, there's just, it could go in so many different ways. Like maybe he's not as good of a passer as Jimmy G. Maybe he's running it too much. Maybe they become even more run heavy. Um, and then of course, the fact that they drafted Ty Davis price and have like a, a, you know, four pretty good running backs on this roster could get, could point to the idea they want to take Devo Samuel out of the run game um, quite a bit more than they did last year. It, it kind of felt last year like they just got desperate because they had so many injuries at running back and decided to use Devo Samuel at it. And, and this year I think you could lose some of the opportunities to, to rack up points on the ground. So overall, yes, I think you can't really expect him to do what he did last year, which was like an almost an MVP caliber performance. But I think you know he's still going to be very you know effective and very good in fantasy. Uh, talking to Danny Kelly from the Ringer and the Ringer Fantasy Football Podcast with Danny Heifetz and Craig Horbeck. Um, I, I'm doing this thing uh, this year, Danny, where if I see like injury reports, I'm out. Right, mm-hmm. I, I'm just I'm just out before my draft. <laughs> I, I just I don't want to do the thing of like how is Najee Harris's foot and pinky going yep. into Sunday? I'm in too many leagues. I just want to be like set it and kind of forget it. So like Najee, I don't know. I'm kind of out on. Uh, I feel like there's a couple other players like in the first couple of rounds that are you know tight hammies already in preseason, and I get scared. Yep. Like Jalen Waddle, I like I I just I don't want any part of it. Um, at what point is there like <laughs> risk reward in in some of these guys? Um, yeah, I mean, that's obviously part of the game. I wish it wasn't. This is why, by the way, this is why best ball is so great. Cause then you don't really have to worry too much about setting lineups. You can just draft guys for their upside and, right. you know, if they score X amount of points, it's great. So that's a tangent, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely one of those things where you have to be aware of it. Like to me that the, the worrisome ones are hamstrings in, in the preseason where you have these guys with history of hamstring injuries. Mike Evans is one of them. Um, you know, I, I think Waddle, you, you mentioned he's had some sort of like, I guess they haven't really told us exactly what it is, but some sort of lower body injury that's been kind of bugging him the last three weeks. They expect him to play, but who knows? You got Cam Akers coming off of, you know, he had, he came back last year off the Achilles, but there's still some uncertainty whether he can actually get back to the level that we thought he'd be pre-injury. Um, and then, you know, a guy like J.K. Dobbins, I'm probably just staying away from for the most part. It doesn't sound like he's completely ready uh, to hit the field. And generally speaking, like betting on guys – the first year back from an ACL tear, which is what Jacob Dobbins is doing here. Um, they just don't that historically, like you're betting against the odds that these guys are going to, um, you know, come back and be fully healthy and fully explosive. Like it's just more often than not, they struggle or they don't get as much volume as you're thinking they will. Um, and so generally speaking, I'd like to wait until the year after the year after they got injured. So right. basically I'll be, I'll be all in on Dobbins next year. Yeah, but this year I'm a little I'm a little bit leery. My thing with like Najee is like if it's an elbow, it's like okay, I understand you're gonna take a couple of helmet <laughs> shots, but it's like you're 240 yeah. pounds constantly, like yeah. you're gonna use your feet a ton, and there's people diving at your feet all the time. I just feel like that's yeah. one hit away from just being miserable all season long. He is another guy that's super super reliant on volume too. He's not like a he's not like an efficiency guy where he can get 12 carries and be totally fine and still get you a lot of points like if he's in and out of the lineup or if they try and rotate him because he's having some issues with his foot, that like basically ruins his value because just, he's just not going to have the big plays. This offense isn't expected to be all that good. 
Um, so yes, it, it is a big concern. And, and I think we're probably a little bit gun shy this year because we saw Derrick Henry, who is a similar size running back and similarly reliant on volume, go back, go down with a foot injury last year. It was a different injury, but still, you know, foot injuries for 245, 240 pound runners is always a little bit worrisome to me. So I'm with you on that one. Danny, we always welcome the people's questions for you as well. We got this one from Island Brian coming in. Can you ask who to keep out of right. Brandon Cooks, Elijah Moore, and Hollywood Brown? Ooh, that's a tough one. I mean, here's the deal. I would say if you want to shoot for the moon, keep Elijah Moore because I think his upside is really, really elite. But if you want the floor and just be play it safe, uh, Brandon Cooks is going to get you probably a top 24 finish um, regardless of like where he is, what team he's on, who's the quarterback. Like This is what he's always done. So uh, I'd say the safe play is Brandon Cooks. That, that was one of the options, right, Brandon Cooks? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I would say that's the safe play. And then the shoot for the moon play would be Elijah Moore because I think he has like top ten potential, but you know you're betting on the Jets, so that's always a little bit scary. Yeah, Zach Wilson's not gonna. You know, we, we, we're <laughs> talking about being the the rising tides. Zach Wilson's like the the sun, like evaporating the tide right there. <laughs> He's the anchor. Yeah, uh, on that hundred uh, yeah. percent. Before uh, before we let you go, rookies uh, that were hyped on it. It's hard to project rookies making that transition. Uh, but uh, which rookies are you saying? Like these guys are the ones that are in prime position to contribute quicker. Yeah, the I would say the receivers that I'm most excited about um, right off the bat are Drake London for the Falcons because he just drops into a situation where he's going to be essentially the number one receiver. Um, and so I think he's going to be guaranteed a pretty good volume in, in terms of his target rate and, and opportunities in the reds and all that. I don't even know if the Falcons, the Falcons are going to be bad, but like I think he'll still get a lot of looks. And then Chris Olave, I think, is kind of an interesting one for the Saints who you know, comes in, he's going to be the number two receiver in this offense. I think they're going to pass a little bit more than they have in the, in the last few years. Um, and I think, you know, with, uh, with Jameis, Win- Jameis Winston on their center, like he's a little bit more vertical, a little bit more aggressive. And that fits Olave's skill set. Who he, He's a deep threat. He's really, really good speed. Get over the top of a defense, score touchdowns. So I think he's a good, uh, another good, like, rookie sleeper who could outplay his ADP just because. And by the way, I don't really trust Michael Thomas this year. Like, if Michael Thomas goes out, then Olave is the number one guy. So um, I think that is the hidden upside with Olave. I, I did the Michael Thomas thing last year. And if you break my trust, I'm just, <laughs> I'm never going to do it again. And it's, it's, yeah. I, I, I'm basically like Beyonce right now. You break my soul. I, I, I just don't have the trust in you again. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And he, like, there's just like a million different things with him, not only the injury, but then he was like trying to get traded from the team last year at some point. Like, I don't know. There's just a lot of variables. I'm like, I don't really want to rely on this guy to like get me a lot of points this year just because all of a sudden halfway through the year, I wouldn't be surprising if he just decides to stop playing kind of deal. So um, I don't know. I have a hard time trusting them on that one. Hey DK, we really appreciate it. We'll talk to you Wednesday before uh, we get ready for week one. All right. Sounds good, man. That is Danny Kelly from the ringer fantasy football show. Uh, the the podcast you can grab it on Spotify uh, and also uh, theringer.com. dot uh, com. Excited to talk to DK uh, all over again. That's right. We're gonna have a, a fantasy update every week. Mm-hmm. We're gonna have some uh, NFL previews as well. So get ready for that. It's time, Vic. I got a draft tomorrow. Dude, we're we're uh, just just heads up. I know yep. everyone's been making fun of it and all that sort of stuff. We're seven days away from the first Vic six. It's real. Yeah. Okay. I'm excited for my fantasy football season. You. Should be yeah. nervous for the reappearance of Big Six. Of Big Six, it's like it's been in hibernation. Mm-hmm. The opposite, hiding during the summer, coming back yeah. for the winter. I mean, hibernation's a great word for it. Just sleeping, trying to forget everything. 
Yeah. From last year. Uh, pressure's on you, man. I get Who's it. got a more stressful season coming up? You or Niels Hoaglander? I think it might be you. Based on Big Six? You've said if you go sub-500 again, you might you might call it, it quits. It's, it's really going to be put into question. I, I might have to retire it. If, if it comes back by popular demand, maybe. But it, look, if I have another bad year, I, it, it, it's meant to be a segment that provides some value. And if it's not, I don't know if it's worth it. Right, adding. pressure's on. That's what I'm saying. Pressure's on. You know what segment always provides value? What's that? Confession Fridays. Ooh, yes. Confession Fridays. It is nonstop with your contributions. It has uh, emerged as a, a fantastic segment. All started from a mistake. That's the thing people got to remember. It, it, this all started from a mistake. It did. Uh, somebody texting in that their kid had kicked the teacher at school. I think they're trying to text each other, but it came into our texting box. Yeah. And that's how Confession Friday started. Which happens quite a bit. We, we do tend to get some rogue texts. I have a pretty scandalous confession. Of, of based on my high school years. Right. I'm going to just tease that. A lie I've been living with for some time. Bring yours as well. 650, 650. Confession Friday, one hour from now. Uh, speaking of rogue texts, I got one the other day. All right. Well, that I've been meaning to read. Now, have you been getting more scam texts, you guys? Yes. I, I, mean, I get the, the typical ones for me. That like I the, hi, how are you? Well, no, I get different ones. I've told you guys about it. Oh, I yes. Get, yeah. Yours are good. I mean, feel free I've to never share got, I've never gotten anything like Josh. Uh, Josh, yeah. let him know what you get. So, essentially, my phone number ends in uh, 818. In Chilliwack, there's a business that does uh, waxing, Brazilian waxing, that ends in 819. <laughs> so, once a month, I'll either get a text or a call from a lady who's going on her honeymoon or, or just having... Just a weekend out. A yeah. weekend out. And she'll be like, hey, can I schedule a time for uh, Brazilian wax? And I'm like, no, wrong number. And usually they're really embarrassed, but I've just kind of gotten used to it. But So once a month I'll get – and the other day I got a text saying, hey, what times are available? And I'm like, no. You should have just said 3 p.m. <laughs> but then I feel bad. <laughs> you should text back and be like, I'm going to be at this cafe at 3 p.m. See you there. I'm very creepy. Yeah, it is. I'm book solid, but show up at 2 a.m. I'll squeeze you in. Uh, but I feel like scam texts have been so much more recently. They have, but it's usually like, hey, how are you? Or I'm in town this week or something like that. Yeah. Not the Brazilian waxing thing. They're, they're traditionally very generic. So I got a text the other day that I can't discern if this is a scam text or someone's texted the wrong number. I'll read it to you because there's not a lot of details, but it is kind of specific enough that I think it sits in the middle. said, hi, hope you're keeping well. I just had a flashback and remembered a time when we were at your place and I was probably eight or nine. We had Oreos and I was convinced they didn't have chocolate and you told me they did. Why I remember this moment, I have no idea. Me and the kids will be in Vancouver in October, hoping we can see you then. There's no names. Okay. That feels real. That's very specific. Oreos. Like, Vic, I think you should reply. I'd back up my phone before I did. I feel like you should, though. Don't click any links. No. There's no links provided. I got one today from a Hotmail account that was a scam. I just like, and it started with like, XYJ at blah, blah. I was like, that's a scam. Yeah. Okay, I've always been the guy that doesn't reply. Like, even when it's potentially somebody that I could know, I'm just like, yeah, delete. I don't know. You're not yeah. on my phone. This is too vague. I- I'm a big, like, you got to declare who you are. Yeah. And then I'll reply to your text. Or if you call me. Like, if you call me and you're not on my phone, 
I'm, I'm just not answering the phone. I, I'm the guy that if I get a spam call, and it, even if it says scam call, because they don't stop, right? They just keep calling. Yes. Not not back to back, but every mm-hmm. day I'll get a call. I answer. I go through until I eventually like talk to a real person because they think I'm falling for it. And then I just act like I'm really worried about what's happening until they figure out that I'm joking. And then they hang up, and then I don't get a call for like a month or two. That really? Seem, that yeah. seems like a commitment, though. That seems like a twenty-minute process no, 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 no. where it you're just going like, moving on and on. It takes like two minutes. Really? Once okay. you once you commit to being like, oh, I'm falling for it, they get to you pretty quick. I can imagine right now, spam caller calls Josh. Hey, we're selling indoor pools. <laughs> no, <laughs> I am out. <laughs> Literally, I am out. I'm outdoors. Oh man. Uh, yeah. So, I, I, if you have a reply that I should send back to this person. Text or if you, if you need a wax, give Josh a call. We'll end right there. Bickness, Randy Janda, over the Canucks Sportsnet 650. This is the People Show with Bickness, and Randy Janda. Welcome back to the show. Bick Nazar, Randy Janda, Ben Bastron, and Josh Elliott Wolf running the show today. You as well texting in to our Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Going until 3.30 today. we got Blue Jays pregame the rest of the afternoon. So we'll hang out with you until 3.30. Confession Friday still coming up at 2.30. Vernon Adams, a half hour away, the new BC Lions quarterback, will join us here on the People's Show. Last week, we had a very specific Confession Friday, on a Tuesday, actually. Okay. It was based on food. Remember the the hot dog straw guy? Oh. So we, we made it food-related. So that was the theme last time, right? I don't know what the theme will be this week. Okay. All right. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. Mine will be regarding cheating. Oh, man. Not in a relationship. I, I wouldn't specify oh, okay. that. But cheating in general. Well, if you got one of those, maybe I'll, I'll drop one of my own I got one. Then. I got one. Okay. 650-650, get those Confession Friday submissions in to our Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Hope you're having fun uh, getting ready for this long weekend. It's kind of like the Friday news dump. And we're doing a we're, we're doing these NFL division previews here. I kind of feel like doing the AFC South is kind of doing like the, the Friday division preview dump. We're, we're, just, we're saving it for a Friday when they, it feels like it's the... Least interesting division. But I feel like there's some intrigue in this division. There is. The top two teams especially where yeah. you're saying, all right, how is this going to Well, the last number one overall pick, Trevor Lawrence, is in this division. Yep. And it's Jacksonville, and people kind of shrug their shoulders and roll their eyes at it. But that's star power in this division. Okay. The reason I'm watching them is how much of a mess was Urban Meyer? Like, mm-hmm. how right do they get it this year? Yeah. And how much can we point at Urban Meyer and say, you were the problem? Like, that's a part of the conversation here. Let's talk to Ben Arthur, Titans reporter for the Tennessean. We'll talk about the whole AFC South. Uh, ben, how, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. Uh, the Northwest misses you. You're your former Seattle PI guy, PI guy as well. Yes, correct. And I've yeah, I, I was definitely on on your guys' station a yeah. lot when I was covering the Seahawks. So, um, but yeah, it's always. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I miss the, the Pacific Northwest. I mean, I not only did I cover the Seahawks, but I'm also from out there, and I spent a lot of time in Vancouver growing up too. So um, it's good. 
good to be on with you guys. Absolutely. Uh, so let's let, let's start with the Titans. We were actually just talking uh, talking to Danny Kelly uh, on the other side, just talking about the fantasy impact and Derrick Henry, and it, it feels like it, it's he's kind of been the embodiment of the Titans for a couple of seasons, and yet there's still some skepticism about Derrick Henry coming into this season, even though like it's still his team and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I mean, Derek, I mean, he, he's, yeah, he, he's obviously, he, he's the Titans franchise player, right? I mean, w- with a lot of teams, it's the quarterback, but everything the Titans have kind of been doing the last few years have, have revolved around Derek. And so when he had the foot fracture last season, it was a devastating blow. Um, but, but actually, the Titans were able to withstand that, still got the AFC number one seed and, and whatnot. And, uh, but but the the loss to, to the Bengals in the divisional round stung, and uh, they're trying to regroup this season. And, and with Derek coming back, um, there is a lot of kind of uncertainty with the team. But I, I think as far as Derek is concerned, I mean he he looks really good, uh, like in practices. Um, he even looks a little bigger. Um, honestly, he, wow. he still has that acceleration and burst when, when he hits the second level um, that, that we've kind of grown so accustomed to over the last few years. Um, so, I mean, obviously we haven't seen – we saw a little bit of Derek in, in that um, playoff game against the Bengals. He, he's had that full off season to kind of get back. We haven't seen him play this, this season, uh, didn't play in the preseason at all. But um, but I, I feel really good about kind of where he's at, and um, I think he I think he's gonna kind of bounce back. Um, obviously, he's an aging running back coming off of this first serious injury of of his career. There are the concerns about the workload, but uh, just from what I've seen and, and from kind of talking to people who know him, um, I, I would kind of expect a, a bounce back season from him. Well, looking at the O-line, though, there's been some uh, departures and on paper at the very least. It looks like the O-line has gotten worse. Uh, how big of a worry will that be for them this year? Yeah, it's, it's definitely a worry. I mean, it's, it, it, it does look work worse on paper, right? Like they, they went into the offseason, they, they lost two starters. Uh, their, uh, Roger Saffold, their left guard, who was in the Pro Bowl last season, and then their right tackle, David Kessenberry, who they didn't tender. And so they've had to kind of replace these two starters, right? And really kind of the hope was that their second, that their 2021 second round pick, Dylan Radins, would kind of just slide right in at right tackle, but he hasn't really panned out as expected. The Titans actually have him playing kind of guard now. Like he, he's, uh, he just hasn't really worked out. And so he was beat out for the right tackle job by, um, a rookie third-round pick, uh, Nicholas Petit-Frere, who was at Ohio State. So he's the right tackle. And then the left guard is Aaron Brewer, um, who's, who's a smaller offensive lineman, um, but he's guy that, a guy the Titans have trusted. But um, but in terms of like kind of going from Roger Saffold to Aaron Brewer, I think it would be fair to say that's kind of a, a downgrade. I mean, Saffold was more of a cap casualty um, than anything and, and kind of getting up there in age. Brewer is a guy they like, but I'm not sure he's kind of the long-term answer, right? So uh, 
you, you kind of go into this season at, with, with these two question marks um, at on the offensive line. And, and, but, the, but the thing is, like, the, the Titans, in terms of run blocking, the Titans have always been able to figure it out. Um, obviously, this is a run-heavy team. That's kind of what the team is, is predicated on. But the pass protection is what I'm really concerned about because Ryan Tannehill was hit so much last season. I don't remember the exact number, but he was the second most sacked quarterback uh, in the league uh, behind Joe Burrow. And um, so, and then you're replacing two starters. One of them is a rookie. The other one is is probably more of a, a reserve caliber um, guard. So, so yeah, there's still kind of a lot of question marks up front as we kind of head into the season. What is it about this team? Because I feel like they're being questioned quite a bit. And Mike Vrabel kind of leads this team to winning the division. And, and they're the number one seed last year. And I feel like a lot of people are picking them to miss the playoffs and picking the Indianapolis Colts, who haven't won the division, by the way, in eight years, and yet they, they seem like the Titans constantly go overlooked. It, yeah, it, it's true, and, and they're, they're, they're fully aware of that. It's actually kind of something they embrace because it doesn't really ever seem to matter how good their roster is or, or kind of their history of success. Like they're, the, the, the Titans and the Chiefs are the only two teams who've had a winning year winning season every year since 2016 and no one talks about that right and Mike Vrabel has never had a losing season um they they just always find it it doesn't matter what happens right like as you said last year number one seed won 12 games despite Derrick Henry missing more than half the year Julio Jones not doing anything A.J. Brown only playing 12 or 13 games um, and, and they were still the number one seed in the AFC. This is a team that knows how to overcome adversity, and, and that's something you, you hear so much, like in the NFL, right? You know, uh, uh, overcoming adversity and, and uh, powering through. But but like the, the Titans literally embody that. Like that there was a like the, in terms of the injuries, they played the most. Um, that they have the most players on their 53-man roster in NFL history other than the um, the lockout year, um, I think was, what, 8, 1980? I, I don't remember the exact year. But uh, they played like 81 players on their active roster just because of injuries. And so uh, this is a team that uh, knows how to – kind of overcome adversity and they're, they're not a team that uses injuries as excuses it's kind of always really that next man up mentality and so um so yeah there are a lot of concerns this year the offense looks worse on paper without aj brown with the o-line concerns the defense which has really been the strength of the team they just lost their top pass rusher in harold landry and so now all of a sudden the strongest unit on the team has concerns uh, but I know for a fact that in that building, they don't, they don't really care. Like they're just going to figure it out. Um, and so I don't think anyone should be surprised if, if they make the playoffs again, because it, it just seems to be what they do. Is there an update on, uh, Traylon Brooks and how his, uh, training camp and preseason has come along? Yeah, Traylon, Traylon has been coming along. Uh, I think his probably his biggest thing has been consistency, 
he got off to a really rough start in the off-season program, as everyone knows. That I mean, those were kind of like national headlines with, with his asthma and the, and the conditioning concerns. But when training camp started, he actually he got off to a really really hot start. He, he really started to look like that first-round pick. Um, but he he did kind of cool off a bit. He he did kind of miss some practices here and there, and. Um, didn't have the best start to the preseason, but I think really finished on a high note. Like their GM, John Robinson, said, you know, use the word outstanding to kind of describe his last preseason game. And so Traylon is a guy who's who's come along, um, and obviously they're going to need him to be um, at least their number two receiver uh, behind Robert Woods. And uh, he he kind of has that same physical profile as A.J. Brown, although I won't say he's A.J. Brown by any means. He definitely has the talent and, and the speed as a physical receiver. And so, as I said, kind of, I, I think the matter for him is just kind of being consistent um, and, yeah, play in, play out, um, and blocking. Honestly, like, just because of the way the Titans play, the receivers are asked to block so much that some guys have even said as a receiver being a blocker is like your number one priority. And so I think that's kind of another area that trailing can, can grow into, but, but I would say he, he's coming along. Um, but, but really their top rookie receiver has been Kyle Phillips, uh, fifth round slot receiver from UCLA. Like he was essentially unguardable uh, like the entire summer and I think he's going to be a guy, at least at first, that's going to have a bigger impact um, than Burks. But I think long-term, obviously, you expect Burks to be that guy. Looking across the division, the Colts obviously made some power moves, both on offense and defense. But the biggest one, Matt Ryan, now the starting quarterback there. When you're looking at the threat that the Colts are now, they already had some pieces, some strong pieces, really missing that quarterback. They got a, a veteran that's played at the highest level, been an MVP in the league. Are they for real, and can they rival the Titans? Well, I mean, I, I think for right now, the, the division runs through the Titans. I think, as one of, one of you guys said at, at the start, like the, the Col- at, every, at least in the AFC South, it seems like the Colts are the most talked about team in the division every, every year, but they haven't won the division in, in seven or eight years, and so the, there just always seems to kind of be this hype around them, and uh, and look, they've had talented rosters even last year, right? They had seven pro bowlers this year. They're definitely much improved with Matt Ryan. He's a huge upgrade over Carson Wentz. You have Michael Pittman, who's a rising receiver. Jonathan Taylor um, is arguably the best running back in the NFL, although people in Nashville will say otherwise and say it's Derrick Henry. Um, and, and they have a great defense. They added Gilmore. They have Shaquille Leonard. Um, they have a lot of talent, um, and and I think they've definitely closed that that gap with the Titans. But kind of, just kind of my stance is just kind of until it happens, uh, until they can kind of topple the Titans in, in the division, I'd stay, still kind of say they're right below. I'd say Titans are maybe one A, Colts are one B, and then the the Texans and the Jaguars are a very distant third and 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 fourth but um but yeah I, I like the Colts on, on paper um they're very strong but but I think 
even on top of just the Titans kind of having a, a maybe a better pedigree that the last couple years, I, I think they are a better coached team. I, I think Mike Rabel is an incredible coach and he always just seems, and that kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about the injuries and them just finding a ton of success despite what's going on. Um, they're just always able to get the most out of the players and, and personnel they have. And so um, I'm still kind of giving the Titans the edge right now. Um, but, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess we'll just kind of have to wait and see. I mean, the, the Titans, I think, definitely took a bit of a step back, and the Colts have seemed to close that gap a bit with the personnel they've added. But um, until we see it on game day, kind of so to speak, I, I'm, I'm still kind of taking the Titans to, to win that division and, and go three straight. You you mentioned the Jaguars. Um, I, I'm I'm intrigued, but like I I don't know like exactly what we're gonna see. I feel like there's so much scar tissue over what happened last year. For for outsiders, it's just like oh okay, anything can happen. But for a positive reason, last year was anything can happen for a negative reason. Where do you kind of stand with them? Like what what looks like a good season for the Jaguars in the AFC South? Well, I, I don't think it's out of the question for them to win like seven games, honestly, six, seven games. I mean, I think they've really done a good job of building, trying to build around Trevor Lawrence. I mean, I know that they just spent crazy money for maybe somewhat average, above average skill players, but I I think the investment around Trevor Lawrence is going to pay dividends I think Doug Peterson is a, a great offensive mind, especially, and, and he has a good. He he has experience working with quarterbacks. Obviously, he worked with Wentz um, in uh, Philly. Has been around, was around Brett Favre um, in his playing days and, and whatnot. So, um, I, I do like what the Jags have done. Are they going to compete in the AFC South? With the Titans and the Colts, no. But I think they're probably like a year away. Um, I think 2023, we can maybe really start looking at them as a threat as long as uh, they continue to, to, to make those positive strides, I think, from a personnel standpoint. And, and I think like having Urban Meyer out of there and, and really having uh, – you know, a, a coach who conduct, who conducts themselves perhaps more professionally. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, who who is it, Josh um, Allen, or one of their top defensive guys was just saying at one of the first press conferences how um, the, the players feel like they're being treated like men or, or, or something along those lines. I think that's a really big deal. Um, having the right culture in place can go a really far can go really far in the NFL where honestly the talent gap from team to team isn't that much, but I think having the right coaching and having the right culture in place can take you a long way. So um, again, I I wouldn't be surprised to see the Jaguars win at least six games uh, this year, but in terms of truly contending in the AFC South or probably um, a year away. Hey, Ben, we really appreciate this. Uh, make sure you go follow him at BenYArthur on Twitter. Uh, covers the Titans for the Tennessean. Uh, ben, uh, best of luck, and we'll talk soon. Sounds good. Thank you guys for having me.
Ben Arthur from the Tennessean joining us here, talking the Titans, Colts, Jaguars, and the AFC South. Uh, not the Texans, because I, I feel like the Texans might be the least interesting team here in the NFL. Yes, and the only reason you'd watch them is just to see who they're going to take with the first pick, most likely, because that's where they're trending. They're not good. I, I think they might get more wins than Atlanta, but Atlanta's got Kyle Pitts. Yeah, they got Drake London. They just drafted a QB. Houston, Davis Mills. Okay, like I, I kind of like Davis Mills. Brandon Cooks, constant Mister Stability. It's kind of up there with like the Mike Evans of overlooked. And for fantasy purpose, maybe Damian Pierce. Right. Well, Damian Pierce is getting a lot of hype now. Yeah. But I feel like the hype on that is it's out the bag. Right. He's 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 no longer a sleeper. Yeah. We all just know about Damian Pierce. He's in Houston. It's like you, you're getting Arian Foster comps sure. now. It's like okay. But that's really about that. That's really all that Houston has going for it. You know what the most interesting thing about Houston season will be? Where the Cleveland Browns finish because they get that first round pick, right? Like that to me is the most interesting part. It's kind of the Ottawa Senators complex, like, right? Where's where's San Jose going to finish, and where does that first pick land? Yeah, first round pick. It's about building to something bigger, right? Sure. And you know, there's like their their best player might be Laramie Tunsil, the offensive lineman. Good offensive lineman. Derek Stingley. Nothing to like, get excited the about. The guy they, they drafted first round. Not a lot of hype about the Houston Texans. They're, they're a team in transition, and it's like the first step in that transition. So, sorry to Texans fans. Their over-under on wins is four and a half. They had four last year. I'm taking the under still. Four and a half? Yeah. Man, in an 18-game season, that is a low number. Is that the lowest one in the... Uh... I'm looking at the individual. I'll have to look okay. them up. But I, I'd still go low on that. I, I, I feel I, like that's the lowest one in the league. Probably. I feel like that's still high, too, too high for me. And here's who they play, by the way. They start the season. Indianapolis, good team. Denver, we think good team. Definitely like a, a top 15 team. Sure. If, even the, the harshest critic would have to admit top yep. 15, top 13. I think maybe a bit higher, but somewhere around that range. Chicago, okay. But then they play the Chargers. Then a divisional game against Jacksonville, which, hey, Jacksonville. Could they win go, that. They, they go on by. They come back. Vegas, Tennessee, Philadelphia. L's all over the place. It's a tough schedule. It is a tough schedule for the Houston Texans this year. Taking the under. At four and a half. I mean, that's just probably a pass for me. It's too low. Like, random things can happen. It's just too low. I just don't like that roster at all. I know it's the NFL. I know it is. But it's just ugly looking at that roster. It's like the Arizona Coyotes of the NFL. Almost. Almost. It's also in that range as well. Like, that... Geographical South, but yeah, it's it, it's just a bad team. They fire their coach. They're they've had three coaches in the past three years: Bill O'Brien, David Culley, Romeo Cornell was a temp coach there. Lovey Smith comes in now. They just can't get out of their own way at times, and this rebuild that was trying to start last year is starting all over again now. Okay, that's in the basement, and we talked about the Colts a little bit. Like I'm buying into. Some of the moves that they've made, they've improved, right? Colts, on both sides of the ball. The Colts are like the no-name brand of the Chargers for me, where there's hype, obviously, with the Chargers. And I said yesterday, I just don't want my heart broken again. I can't buy into it yeah. again. I have bought into the Colts year after year after Same year. Here. And as I mentioned with Ben, it feels like there's always some like, oh, the Colts going to win the division. Colts going to win this division. I feel like maybe there's Peyton Manning residual effect to it, that our impression of the Colts are they're this always dominant franchise and they win the division. They haven't won the division since 2014. You know what? Every other team has mm-hmm. won the division since then, but the Colts haven't. You know what they're going through right now? 
they're going through kind of what the Dolphins went with Marino, where finding the guy after the guy is tough. Like well, it, well, it feels like they're it. at the beginning of it. They found it with Andrew Luck, and he yeah. is not around anymore. But that was bad luck. Yeah. Right? Like, it was. Oh, I see. Yeah, you know, I try. I try. But that was like, that's a part of it. He was good for a while, but mm-hmm. he take, did he take you to the promised land? No. In the end, that's what it's about. And getting that guy again over a stretch of 10 years, it's tough in this league. It's tough in this league. And they've tried. Philip Rivers, Carson Wentz, now Matt Ryan. For me, like, Matt Ryan's my favorite of the bunch. But, you know, he's 38 years old. Is he going to be there? They've they've lost some pieces on the offensive line. It's worrying. It's worrying. But this might be the year they finally do it. I'm kind of in on the the, the, the Titans. I might be buying late. And I'm very afraid to buy buy late because they've always been, like, one of these boogie teams for me where – I always, like, miss the year. Like, Wisconsin basketball was a big one for me. Sure. I would pick against them every year in March Madness. They'd win. I'm like, ah. Oh. Then finally, year one year, I'm like, final four, Wisconsin basketball. And they're out in the first round. I was like, oh, my goodness. I can never get Wisconsin basketball right. So, Tennessee's, I've been calling yeah. for Tennessee to miss the playoffs for years. And they first seed. And so this year, I'm kind of buying into the hype. And I'm, I'm worried. I, I just This division, I don't know. I'm the opposite of you. Because I've kind of been buying into their hype and the Derrick Henry thing for the last couple of years. I think I'm out this year. I just don't like that O line. Oh man, if I don't I like, to, and that cap. Yeah, like Ryan Tannehill's taken up a lot of that cap. Mm-hmm. No, it's fair. It's but, gonna it's gonna hit you along with the age of Derrick Henry at some point. But they have a good coach, and they've got a good defensive line. They got a good defense. I think I'm in on the Titans this year. We'll we'll do the full predictions next week, though. We got this one from, uh, from Brian from Brook Mountain. Big Colts fan. Bick, don't you dare hate on the Colts. I love the Colts. He just he doesn't want his heart broken again. That's, That's all, all it is. I really do. Kill Leonard, great player. Michael Pittman, I'm all in on Michael Pittman. Like I think the next big number one wide receiver yep. in the league is Michael Pittman. Jonathan Taylor, look how great he was last year. Can't knock At, him. Rookie wide receiver Alec Pierce, big fan of his. They got a lot of pieces. I'm just, uh, I just don't want my heart broken again. That's all. Man, that's all anytime you compare them to the Chargers of yesteryear, that's a savage, savage comparison. That's what I'm saying, but th- That's where they're at. That's what happens. Vic Nazar, Randy Janda back on the other side. We'll talk to Big Play VA, Vernon Adams. Joining the BC Lions this week, and he's also going to be joining the People Show next, home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650.